Hey, it's Brendan dropping in here on something special. I think the most important thing you can do in your life is to train yourself for real personal growth and success. What does that mean anyway? Well, you have to train your mindset and train your discipline so you can follow real habits of success so that you can break through, so you can win the day more often, so you can crush through all those fears and actually unlock your real potential for abundance and happiness and power and joy. But how? Well, like all learning and all breakthroughs, you have to choose first to learn, to learn from the best, to invest in yourself, to do the work, to do the daily work. You have to train with the best, and that's why we created Growth Day's Mastery Program. Listen, we're going to train you to make self-improvement a real way of life, to unlock your positive attitude and attributes at a whole new level, to get you way more productive and influential, to show you the life and career strategies that make you unstoppable and really work. But how do we do that? Well, Every single week, we bring you a new $50,000 or $100,000 keynote speaker, multimillionaire, or world's foremost expert to switch your brain into high-performance mode, to teach you what really works in wellness, in health, in mindset, in productivity. People who really help you unblock and move ahead with really practical strategies for changing your life, your relationships, your health, your career, your mission, your purpose. Every month, we unlock a new course that would have cost you thousands of dollars to buy from other teachers on brain health or positive psychology or confidence. Every year, we give you free tickets to an unbelievable motivational and transformational seminar. Every day, I give you an advanced life coaching audio to keep your mind sharp energized, focused, motivated, confident, ready to serve and to lead and to win and build your greatest future at the levels you dream of. And I promise you, you are capable of. Every day can truly be a growth day for you, but it takes mastery in life. And that's why we have our new program, Mastery Level in Growth Day. You can go to yearofmastery.com and it will direct you to our best program in Growth Day. This is for those who really want the advanced level, who really want a breakthrough, who are tired of, hey, listen, podcasts are great, but training is another level. Go to yearofmastery.com. You deserve to join the world's number one membership for advanced personal growth and success right now. This is a membership of the real people doing the real work who have a positive mindset, a growth mindset, a willingness to be a role model, to be a leader, to serve, who desperately and deeply and joyfully love personal development, to challenge themselves, to push themselves, to achieve great things in life. Go to yearofmastery.com. Let's go. Yearofmastery.com. And welcome to another episode of The Brendan Show. Hey, 
everybody, it's Brandon. Welcome to The Brandon Show. We have a super special edition right here because, as you know, I barely ever do interviews with anybody uh, unless, you know, the, the heavens open up and an incredible person emerges and comes into my orbit who I just feel like you have to know and who is doing something that I believe is, is just so purpose-driven and on point with what we talk about in high performance, what we talk about in personal development. And when I see somebody who, who, who comes on the scene, who grows and who role models the way and does it with real integrity and heart and love, those are the people I'm like, I gotta bring them on The Brennan Show. So in rare episode magic right now, I've got my main man, Dave Hollis is in the house, brother. My man. Man, I Thank can't believe it. Thank you for having this. me here. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. We, we are in the blessings of Puerto Rico right now. Yes, we uh, are. We've been masterminding with some of our best friends and just learning about each other. And what I'm excited about right now is you've got this book coming up. I do have a book coming up. And my audience knows I love talking about writing. I love talking about the process. But most importantly, it's always personal development. You know, I just... Part of my mission is how do I introduce more people to the concepts of personal development? And you got a hard crash course in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, I did. Like you got whooped up by personal Ooh. development uh, hard in the last two years in such a way I want to introduce you a little bit to the audience, uh, brag up on you because you're a great friend, but also just such a role model for, I think, my influencer industry right now where, you know, Dave and, and, and Rachel at the Hollis Company have started something so huge, uh, like a massive, massive company in such a short period of time, at least from the public's perception, yep. you know, and growing millions of followers and you know, generating eight figures and, and, and doing events all around the country and now internationally. Uh, people have seen that. But just, you know, a couple of years ago, you had a corporate job. Very corporate job. Yeah. I so I, I I think I will tell the tale of my lives in of my life in two chapters, right? I am starting the legacy of my life two years ago. Everything that happens after having left Disney is what I believe I will be remembered for. Yeah. But I would have never ever believed that to be the case three years ago, eight years ago, twelve years ago, when I'd spent 20 plus years inside of entertainment, the last 17 of which I was working inside of the Walt Disney Company and, and left a job, honestly, that many probably wouldn't. I was the head of sales at the movie studio for the last seven years, but I was in a situation where, and at the time, of course, I couldn't appreciate why, I was very unfulfilled. Mm. I had the title, I had the, I had the access, I had uh, the mouse on the card, I had the salary, but I didn't have an opportunity to truly fail because of the unbelievable abundance that had come around me and the quality of my team, the strength of my leadership and these brands. When I first started in the job, Pixar had just been acquired. Marvel Studios came shortly thereafter. Lucasfilm just after that. And selling, lose. Right? Selling, lose. selling Star Wars and Avengers movies to movie theaters, it turns out, is a thing that almost anyone <laughs> could do, right? Like, and so... Uh, I was I was on a roll. I was on a roll. And I was also crossing this very interesting bridge between 30 and 40, mm -hmm. where for the first time in my life I was asking a set of existential why am I on this planet kind of questions against the backdrop of not feeling like I was fully utilizing the gifts that were afforded to me. Yes. And that felt empty. That's the thing. We I, I teach about happiness in our New Year's broadcast, which was 
a huge part of your overall sense of happiness over the long term isn't like the achievements or the blips of I did this or that movie did good. It's do I sense I'm actualizing my full potential? Yeah. And not meaning I'm in my full potential every day. It's like, but do I sense it? Am I touching it? Am I challenging it? Am I pushing it? Am I in that flow consistently enough that I'm happy? And you had this crazy ability to have success, have this team around you, have this external perception of that, decide to quit that to support and join your wife and her mission. And your book starts off with how that led to you grabbing up a bottle of vodka yeah, and knocking down a, a handle of vodka and, and trying to cope with this transition. I think this is important because we're always talking about high performance about transitions because how you manage transitions is how you level up. And the worse you manage transitions, the longer it takes to level up Yeah. or the more painful it is to level up. So what, what do you think is that like, I'm this successful guy, things are going good. I start this new thing and I, I can't handle it. I got I to gotta turn to that because a lot of people struggle with addiction. Absolutely. So what's interesting is I'd had a casual relationship with alcohol for my entire adult life. Uh, you know, drink here, drink there, have a glass of wine after a long day. And on the days where things got a little more hectic, you know, maybe it's two glasses or even three glasses to just knock the rough edges off of something that felt a little overwhelming. This transition, this identity challenge, the work of working together with your partner for the first time, writing a book, mm -hmm. scaling a team, they were all happening at the same time in a way that was so disorienting that my casual relationship, quite honestly, just from a coping mechanism standpoint, turned into a not casual relationship. And what I realized is I left a thing I knew for a thing I needed, right? I left this harbor of security for this opportunity to grow. This job. This job. Jumping into now entrepreneurship, starting your own business. Yep. Leave corporate, corporate America for uh, a startup, skunk work, small team, let's scale it, entrepreneur thing. And I did it because of this pursuit of wanting to chase growth. I wanted that tie that happens when you find fulfillment next to growth. I needed to find growth to be fulfilled. But I got into these choppy waters that were now a departure from the security and safety and certainty that I'd always been tethered to. And I was muting the waves, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I was over overwhelmed by or had fear from, insecure about my ability to do well in this new environment. And so instead of, as you say, honoring the struggle, mm -hmm. I was muting the waves to, to not have to deal with the struggle. And so in a crazy way, I made this huge life change, moved my family, like left this job that nobody leaves, and then was dismissing the benefits of any of it by medicating, muting through drinking. Did others know? Did you no. Did you have a sense that your I, friends it, or family? Because I we were friends at that time. Right. And you had an open line to my, you know, phone. Yeah. And I didn't hear any, you know, I'm really struggling. Do you want to talk? Cause because part of uh his new book, Get Out of Your Own Way, really does a great job of explaining the lies that men tell themselves, we have to handle it by ourselves, you know, we, we have to work ourselves to death, we, 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 you have to, you know, manage our emotions in different ways. So if, if you're listening to this and you're struggling with emotions or you're struggling with transition, you have to read, get out of your own way because ultimately you have to get out of your own way in which you ask for help. Yeah. The, what's interesting is not only did people not know, I was really like highest functioning I, I, I don't want to say that I was alcoholic, but dang it, if there's a place that's really close to that, I was so close. Sure. 
And I was so good at managing the optics of it not being a problem and it didn't end up affecting a performance. Was what, that a, like a Disney executive veneer you had developed? Oh, absolutely. Or do you feel like that was like something from earlier when you were a kid and you just learned, hey, don't, you know, don't be the kid who's out of control? All of the above. It was. I, like I grew up in a world where managing expectations and, and curating the feed of your life was a part of how I was raised mm. and then found myself in a job that took and really, you know, like let those things that had been part of my upbringing now come to life as a part of my responsibility at work. Yeah. I was the contact for the press spinning the movies that did well, didn't take as much spinning, but the movies that didn't do well, it was my job to convince the press that they did great. Thank you very much. And I took some of that professional competency sure. and applied it to my personal experience and trying to convince people that everything was fine. Don't worry about it. Trust me. What's interesting about any negative coping mechanism, there is no local anesthetic, right? If you decide to drink or take pills or binge eat or turn to sex, whatever it might be, the, the, the way that you are coping may in fact mute some of the pain, mm. but it will in fact also mute the joy. Mm -hmm. It will guarantee an inability for you to achieve the growth. And it took me some time to get to the point of appreciating that because... At the time, I was like, this is just what I need to do to get through this because, yeah. man, it feels overwhelming. This is what I need to get through this because I have doubt. That's what I get. But I wasn't getting through it. I was staying stuck in that same station that I thought I'd left. And it wasn't until Rachel and I had some very hard and direct conversations about the trajectory of our life that I was able to think differently about introducing new, more positive coping mechanisms. I traded drinking for running and I've, yeah. I've run a lot <laughs> run some right? miles the, tr the triggers still exist it's we, not like right it's, it's not like the triggers go away yeah but I man I've run 900 miles since yeah. I stopped drinking about a year ago I'm like it's it's a it's a thing you also developed I mean, I'd love to hear about that conversation like we had this tough conversation was that sort of a conversation in in the context of a vision like hey babe this is where like does she sit you down and say we're trying to go here you know we're trying to go here. Uh, let's get our act together. Was it more of a disclosure on your part? And, and like, I'm trying. Were you asking for help? Like, how, how did that manifest? I had the gift of leverage, but negative leverage, right? Some people can paint a beautiful picture of what's possible when they take control of their life, when they get out of their own way. Man, I, I really am motivated, fortunately or unfortunately, by... What would happen if I were to maintain the status quo? Mm -hmm. what, what, is the, what is the life I could have led? What is the regret that I might end up with at the end of my life? And so we sat down and had a conversation whereas she at the time was really reaching into personal development. She uh, had struggled with some anxiety. She had her own negative coping mechanisms. She was on a mission to apply a salve to the things that were getting in her own way and personal development were well, that was providing the tool set that allowed her to continue to grow and evolve. Mm. And I, as a skeptic, my entire life of these tools being things that help whole people, I thought they were just for broken people and I never wanted to confess any brokenness. I was resistant to the things that she was applying to her own life. And so she is growing while I have convinced myself that I'm staying put. Truly, I'm sinking. And this now divergent path of our trajectories is getting wider every single day. Mm. And so we have this very hard conversation where she says, look, 
Growth is one of the, if not the most important commodity of my life. I am going to pursue better tomorrow for the rest of my life. And if you stay stuck or sink in three months, are we still going to go on date nights? Yeah. In th- you know a year, are we going to make out still? In three years, are we going to still be married? And I knew the answer to all that, no. And in the recognition of our being on the beginnings of a path of irreconcilable differences, a term that truly I had thrown away as like a lazy person's excuse for why they're not married anymore. No, 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 no. It's real. It's real. We're coming to a head. It is real. And we were at the beginning of this divergent path where we just didn't know each other anymore and the relationship had nothing to connect to. And now you're working together full time because I think that's so important for people to hear. It's like these things don't just happen in a relationship because people get tired of each other. It's new stressors. Like it was like a new, like now you're building this huge business together. You guys are on a hiring spree. You're a public figure now. You're on Instagram live now. You're managing a team that's related to your spouse. Like my audience, I shared this because they saw Denise and I go through transformation week and what it was like to work together and what we felt about moving to Puerto Rico and all these things. It's super hard. Oh yeah. And you have those stressors and all of a sudden, oh wow, we needed to grow in a different way. What most people think is we need to communicate in a different way. I'm like, oh, communicating in a different way. That's like, that's, that, that's like base, below that's foundation. Yeah. No, you need to grow in a new way. And that's what I love about what you guys did is like you grew in a new way. You challenged each other in a new way. You, 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 you were more vulnerable in a new way, but you kind of got some new habits too. What you said, you mentioned running. What other new habits do you think helped you pull through? Yeah. Well, let's be clear. I mean, like when we first, this is even before moving, before working together, I didn't have a morning routine. I mean, I can own the fact that she's reading high performance habits and talking about all this stuff that she's doing to like truly make her life better, getting up at 5 a.m., having a like all of the things that she was doing. I was rolling over grunting and, and like kind of begrudging her for <laughs> getting up as early as she was. And I realized like, oh, there is a tie between people who actually create the kind of routines yes. in the morning to start their day in the way that they want and set themselves up for success. Structured excellence helps live excellent right but you know it's why like, like but why like this it's yeah. I, I write the book through the lens of a skeptic someone who is more fixed mindset oriented and has struggled with motivational challenge my wife is the opposite on all three frames right <laughs> she is right she's been a believer from day one she's been growth mindset since birth and she is like she's got an internal motivation combustion engine mm-hmm. running inside of her at all times mm-hmm. right but my habits are a product of my wiring now. Like, I know I need to engineer motivation. Well, how do yeah. I do that? Okay. Yeah. I have to do... Engineer momentum. The, I have to do the same things every single day because I'm building on yesterday when I get up this morning to do the thing that I did yesterday. And it, so it's now... I get up and I have a meditation prayer moment. I, I have a gratitude practice, write a little bit inside of a journal, get out into the gym, move my body. Um, like, but I am so regimented and routine. The, the running piece truly was, I need to substitute the bad coping mechanism when I am triggered. Mm-hmm. And so if I am committing to, I'm not gonna drink, I, I, I still am going to have stress. I'm still going to have fear or anxiety. There'll be days when I have imposter syndrome. Okay. When those days show up, grab your shoes instead of the bottle. Yeah. And so yeah. I started running and it has been a cathartic, therapeutic kind of experience. And also I've pushed myself to run way further than I ever 
ever thought that yeah, I could. Yeah, you got could. a marathon. I got a marathon in 10 days, right? Woo! But in having pushed myself further physically, mm. it's also drained my mind, my brain. I am emotionally and mentally stronger for having pushed myself further physically. Because even sometimes literally putting the shoes on and, and hitting the first block is the hardest effort. It's an act of mental. It's an act of, <laughs> no, we're going to do this now. I think that's amazing. Yeah. What, you know, one of my favorite parts of Get Out of Your Own Way was just that chapter title of, you know, everyone's thinking about me and what I'm doing. Um, and for those who've not yet read it, make sure you get a copy of Get Out of Your Own Way by Dave Hollis. It's unbelievable. But this chapter got me thinking, it's like, wow, we, we all perceive and think that all these people are thinking about us, but of course they're just going about their own day, daily lives. And yet now Dave Hollis is a public figure with one of the rising stars of uh, the entire influencer industry. Um, someone very quickly becoming, you know, a, a, a leader in the space in so many ways. How, like, what's it like being the husband of Rachel Hollis? It's amazing. I mean, first, it's amazing. I mean, like the pride that I have for the work that my wife does is not even, I can't put it into words. So it's number one, it's amazing. It's also because we're doing this work together been the best two years of our marriage and absolutely 100% the hardest two years of our marriage. Mm. Uh, doing this work, doing any, anyone who is listening who works with their partner can uh, appreciate that it is hard to do anything uh, with your partner professionally. I'm raising both hands if you can't see me. I mean, it's, we're on podcast. It's, it's real. <laughs> and, and the headline is, right, like it's hard because uh, of ego, right? Uh, we as individuals, we have them and they get in the way sometimes of each other. We um, are both strong people. We're both achievers. We both want to have like as much impact as possible. But I, in my wiring, her in her wiring, we are wildly different. Now, the good news is we've found a way to pair the differences. I am the more practical, pragmatic operator to her visionary creator, creative. And, you know, in that, we have something I think that is part of what's propelling the company forward. But like lane definition, role separation, that's stuff that you think will come easier at the beginning and it doesn't. You right. have to kind of stumble quite a bit. Um, we had to really embrace in a way that a more codependent version of our younger selves would have bristled at and did bristle at at the beginning. The idea of radical candor of, of mm -hmm. like this, uh, Kim Scott's got a book of, of the same title, but like this idea that when things come up in our working relationship, the work that we're doing is too important. The responsibility we have our t to our team is too important. Our interest in coming back home and showing up well for our four kids, which is like a thousand kids is important. Mm -hmm that we have to in real time confront each other with hard, difficult, truthful conversations, even though they make us uncomfortable so that they don't fester. And serve each other because like you said, it's like one of the challenges of working with somebody you love that I, I discovered was, uh, you know, like you said, you said ego is involved, but also so much involved is love and caring. You, you, you're working together and it's frustrating because you're like, oh, I want you to be happy. I care for you, I love for you, I want you to enjoy this process. I want this to be part of you. So it's, it's, it's part of like, yes, what we want to individually accomplish, but also the trick there is you want the other person to individually be happy and accomplish and achieve and feel fulfilled. And sometimes we get in the way of that. For and, sure. And, and sometimes they're in the way of it and we can see it and we want to coach them. And oh my gosh, if you bring up that piece of feedback to the spouse or the partner, 
oh, be careful trying to coach the person you love. And, and, and those things come to play. By, by the way, like the thing that has probably become a point of friction in our personal relationship more often than not is the words that come out of her mouth. I have an idea. Right. So she's just started the sentence. Okay. And my practical mind starts instead of listening to the what, contemplating the how. Right. right? And personally contemplating that. Like, how do I do that? How, how do I do that? How do I operationalize the team to do that? Are, is there risk in doing this? Are is there, there room? Are there, is plate? there room? What, it, what would it mean to you, Rachel, for how much mm. energy you'd have mm. to expend? Right. Instead of listening to the what, which is her. Her, her gift. I mean, man, she can have the greatest what idea. I, at the beginning of this partnership and plenty of times prior to us working together, would short the conversation by introducing the how questions before she'd even finished breathing out the what. Right. And so I've really... No and, husband has ever done this. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, trust me. The thing is, I know everyone you know, likely does, but it's taken some time yes. to appreciate that the benefit that this business, the personal pleasure that she gets in in the creation, the creator part of her, that my undermining the ability for her to fully breathe these ideas out before I start thinking about the practical implications of how to operationalize or implement them. Like I just take a minute now. Yeah. And just you're letting aware, them, you're mindful. I, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and that's a thing that didn't exist at the beginning. Right. You know, I taught people for a long time at High Performance Academy. We do our whole relationship day on the last day. And, uh, you know, we make the jokes of polarity and, and masculine versus feminine and, and that conversation. And, and part of it is when you're with a person who is a sharer, who, who, who their form of release or venting or just excitement is vision, 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 vision. I tell people, always wear a watch. And your first thing is when it starts coming, just look, give a quick glance. Don't let them see you glance there, but don't do anything for 20 minutes. It's real. Because you know what? Everyone runs. If they're coming home with that a bad day, that venting will be out in 20 minutes. Yep. Someone comes home with a big idea. Let them share it. Let them just let them live it uninterrupted for 20 minutes. And I've saved marriages it's this way. It's such good advice. It's unbelievable. It's such easy advice. I do it. I literally, <laughs> like the only way I wear a watch, that's it. I wear a watch for my wife, Denise, because I love her so much. I hate wearing a watch. But we'll t- she starts going, oh, look, yeah. she'll never see me do it. But I just allow that space. And everyone runs out of gas after 20 minutes. Yeah. And they feel so good. You heard, you listened, you were there. And then you can contemplate, you know, further discussion. Yeah. But I, I want to ask the question in a little bit different way. Yeah. Because... To me, that chapter is so critical. And, and again, his book is Get Out of Your Own Way. And, and he talks about all these different lies that he believed that prevented him from success. And I think this is also a huge book for women to get their partner, their spouse, uh, or to understand. Mm-hmm. Either get it as a gift or to understand how men think and we get in our own way in so many ways that hurt our relationships or our careers or our health. But that particular chapter of you know, people are thinking about me uh, you know, are wondering about me. And uh, I, I asked that question a little bit about what's it like to be the spouse, because there's also this new fame element to your life. Mm-hmm. And you're walking into a brand where also now people are wondering about you, you know, because you're live on Instagram, you're, uh, you know, part of this social media, like yeah. behemoth now. So how does that feel of like you're an executive and now, because everyone says, I want to be famous. What are some of the things that for you were like, 
shocking or shut you down or frustrated you of all of a sudden being in the public sphere? Yeah. Well, what, so one dimension that I get into a bit in the book is, uh, not so much about the public private piece. I'll talk about that in two seconds, but the, I had been the primary breadwinner of our family. My identity in some ways was wrapped around being the primary breadwinner of our family for 15 years of our marriage. We've only been married for 15 years, 14 years of our marriage. Okay. <laughs> and so for me to have had that as a part of who I was for her, I'd assigned value to it in some twisted ways. I'd made part of the reason why she loved me connected to the fact that I believe she needed me, mm-hmm. which was never, ever actually the case. I can see that very, very clearly now. But when she had a year, after I'd left the Walt Disney Company and she had a year where she sold about 3 million books, the way that she and the <clears throat> value that she'd created was affording opportunity to our family and to the ability to scale our, t- our team. Just I, I, my, my previous contribution was dwarfed. And it really messed with my, who am I in this relationship? Now that I am not needed, will she still want me? That was a, a very, very interesting thing to have to process and required a lot of conversation to even understand where does that weird insecurity even come from? Mm. Because there was nothing there. There was no there there. And yet it was still something that really messed with me. So Well, and because you're just at the public side of that, it's the two of you on camera. You're sitting behind her now. She's kind she's of like running facing, the show. Yeah. And it's like, is what's Dave's role? Because I'm sure publicly you're like, well... You were thinking and people were at like, what's his role in this? Right. And the thing is, I didn't leave the Walt Disney Company earlier before I really withdrew a bit more from my life, my wife, my kids, because of the worry of me leaving what I knew for what I needed, not making sense to them, them at the Walt Disney Company. And they weren't thinking about me. Like the gift of this transition is the clarity of how wildly I overestimated how much people were paying attention to what I was doing with my life. And this is not in any way an indictment on anyone that I was in relationship with for the 17 years I worked there. They are like I am, like you are human. And as humans, we are primarily interested in ourselves. The number of people listening right now who, who, who left a job and discovered two weeks later that none of their coworkers were asking about them. Right. Have felt that crushing reality of like, oh, that company's going on. Everyone's good. No one's thinking about me. And I'm lonely out here now yeah. or left behind or not thought of. I've coached a lot of CEOs of Fortune 100 companies who've exited and found themselves with a huge golden parachute and, you know, are living in some, you know, amazing place. And they're calling me going, I... I cannot believe that no one cares. It's it's bananas and 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 in a great way as much as man it it stung a little bit at first when I concocted a conspiracy theory that they were all given direction to not you know reach out <laughs> sure. which is so We do we have to justify like, we have my, to justify myself, why don't people care my, about my me? self-worth identity everything else like had to have there be a reason other than they just forgot they right. lost the number right. uh, but it was a gift because in the freedom of appreciating, nope, they're not thinking about you, you're freer to go and do it almost anything. I will say when I was leaving the company because of my, like the vanity of me leaving for something that made more sense to other people, this company that my wife had founded in for 15 years grew, I asked that she make me the CEO of. So it was important for me to have a title yeah. that made sense 
to people that were not actually paying attention. And in asking my wife, I asked her, hey, I know you've invested a decade and a half of sweat equity and, and hard work in building something that is at this tipping point that affords us now this chance to go do the work together. Can I be the CEO? And she said yes, because I think it part in part she knew it was something that I needed at the time. But I have subsequently taken the COO role, have her resume her role as CEO because of the benefit of what time has afforded me and how ridiculous truly it was to have assigned value to that title as a thing that would affirm me in the eyes of people who were not even watching me. But when people are in transition, when the most expect we teach this in coaching, but when the most obvious and first moves when people are in transition is they grasp at position yeah because position is identity and so when i'm transitioning and anyone transitioning anything if, you, if you're moving to a new place you start a new company going to, the first thing people grab is like what's my position in this community and we want a label for that because the label is the security yeah and yet i always tell people in that transition don't grab that label too quick because transition now is freedom and so we have to reframe it a little bit oh oh Oh, I'm free to shape and craft. And so it's, I just want to let you know, it's completely obvious and expected and good that you would do that because that's just human identity trying to grasp onto something. But also I really respect the fact that you kind of step back and go, what, this is, this was here before me now. And, and, yeah. and maybe we play different roles than I thought. Well, it's important too. I, we're, you know, we're building something that right now certainly has, a, a, you know, more influence in a broader population of women. And so for them to see, and frankly, for my three-year-old daughter to see yeah, brother. a CEO who is also, by the way, and just a crazy great business operator as the leader who is a woman is important today Huge. or any day. I love it. So. What, what's one of the lies in the book that you feel like people just have to read for their own personal development? Because you have so many and... I love the book because you feel like you're growing along with Dave Hollis. He's on a journey. You're experiencing it. But I love personal development, uh, as my audience knows, in such a tactical way of like, oh, uh, here's your list of five things you should know or do. Um, and the list of lies, you do a great job of like manifesting a, a action points or something like that. What do you think someone's going to, a lie that they need to know and an action that they could do to really start changing? Yeah, well, I mean, I wrote it as much for men as for women. I wrote it as much for someone who stays at home and does the hardest thing in the world in raising kids, you know, as a stay-at-home mom as I did for a CEO of a company. And I think in telling all of these stories that there, you know, is relatability regardless of your, you know, like kind of place in life. Mm -hmm. And so I think part of it is like, the first chapter starts with my skepticism of this book even existing, right? The idea that self-help is for broken people. And so if you're listening to, you know, Brendan's podcast, trust, you're probably already on the self-help, you know, personal development train. But if there's someone in your life who's been skeptical of your journey, do I have a book for them? It's the first chapter that maybe can reframe how I came as a skeptic to appreciate the value and benefit of personal development, mm -hmm. right? This means and, this means five years ago, he would have really hated me. I, the thing <laughs> is, I was invited the first time to come and spend time with you. Uh -huh. And I still, I mean, I think I sat the first night and represented the skepticism that I had maybe three months prior to being with you, that this was a place that I would actually thrive inside of, that you guys were doing work that... Um, was like, I just, I had some stigma around it 
that I don't have in any way now. I actually feel sad for the version of myself that couldn't appreciate the benefits of what you and frankly, every person who's here now does. But I grew up in something, societal construct, my dad, just some of the wiring that I had that said, this isn't something that you go to. In a weird way, I grew up inside of a church community that taught me sometimes that if you weren't holding a Bible in your hand and teaching people something, then you, there was some sacrilegiousness to mm. listening to, to a teacher. And it just couldn't be further from the truth. But so anyway, long way of saying, that you asked life. a very specific question about what chapter, what, like, I think there's something in here for anyone, but a little bit of it is going to be, where are you and where do you need to be met? Because mm -hmm. if it's that you're struggling through identity and having your title or your job as a limiting anchor to what you possibly could do to show up for impact in your life, great. There's a chapter on that. Yes. If you're struggling to connect with different people and their life experience, whether it be people of color, people who are differently abled, there's a chapter about that. If you are struggling with the way that you're um, thinking that uh, showing up consistently in a relationship is a thing that you're supposed to do constantly as a single singular thing, but truly life changes. You go through life stages and changes. You're growing or your partner's growing and you don't know what to do. Great. There's a chapter about that. I mean, the, like I've, tr I've tried to write it from the perspective of someone who has had a, a life just like the rest of you have had and made mistakes in believing a lie that kept me stuck. I've just done it through this lens again of skepticism, motivational challenge and mindset problems that now that I'm free from them, if you relate in any way, I'll help you get out of your own way. Y'all will see on the book promotion site of Get Out of Your Own Way. I endorsed it. Yes, he you sent did. Me an early version. Ooh. I rarely endorse books. I hope you guys will get it. The book is Get Out of Your Own Way by Dave Hollis. Pick it up. I love this guy. I love his mission. I love his heart. Get Out of Your Own Way. Dave Hollis, thanks for being on Brendan. Love you, brother. If you're ready to take your life to a whole new level, make sure you grab my book, High Performance Habits, How Extraordinary People Become That Way. It's available on Amazon right now. And when you order your copy, you're really supporting my channel and the message. And you're also getting a book that will reveal to you 20 years of my research into what is it that helps people go to a new level of success in their life? What does it really take? What habits are proven to help you reach long-term success in your career, your health, your personal life, your relationships. It's called High Performance Habits, How Extraordinary People Become That Way. It's available on Amazon right now. Hey, I wanted to hop in here and share with you my love for community.com. Every major celebrity uses U.S. presidents use this. The biggest companies in the world use this. They give you a 10-digit phone number, but it's kind of like having an inbox for your texting. You can segment it to people um, and they can reply back. And it's just really cool because you can also send video and you can send audio. And it's so beautiful of a design that it's really easy to figure out. You know, I don't like all those other systems that send out like some weird little code that you just know is like a promotion. The reason they called it community.com 
is because they really believe you have to have a text community in the modern era. Texting adds a whole other level. People open up their texts way more. It's way more you know, effective as a promotional vehicle. And it's something that I deeply, deeply believe in. In fact, I invested in them and I've advised the senior team. I'm telling you what, my audience loves it. It's increased the engagement across everything I do. And you can get a free demo when you go to community.com. Just like it sounds, community.com. Check it out. Hey, are you on my text list? Did you know if you're in the US, you can text me at 1-503-212-6125. I actually have that text number on my Instagram account bio as well, if you want to go check it out. It's just 503-212-6125. Literally just text me and say, hey, Brendan, or text me and say anything you want to say. If you want me to see it, just text me there. It's 503-212-6125. And it's my exclusive text list. And if you're not on it, it's where I share some of my most popular episodes. Or if I drop a new YouTube, I send it your way. Or if I have some kind of free thing going on the internet, I give that exclusive link out to that group. So just go there and text me, 503-212-6125. It's kind of cool. It's back and forth. This is my community text number. So tons of my community share you know, insights about what they're learning from me or just want to chat back and forth. And I'm in there. My team's in there. We really just try to engage you on a different platform. It's super fun. And again, anytime I have something special going out, this is the first group to know about it. So just go text me at 503-212-6125. Hey, it's Brendan, and I want to tell you about Circle and how powerful it is if you're trying to build your online community outside of Facebook groups. You know, I had this problem a couple of years ago where I just started noticing when I was running a Facebook group, um, really, Facebook was incentivized to kind of steal my customer and steal my audience. So they'd recommend other things I didn't like, or honestly, my members were losing my posts in the feed. I didn't really have the information or the data about the people in the group that I wanted. It was hard to actually communicate with them offline, out of the group. And most importantly, it was hard to sell stuff and have an actual business from it without driving them to other places. And then came along Circle. And it's just at the website circle.so. So just go to circle.so. And you can see that they have built this incredible platform that allows you to host a community, go live in that community, and really segment the community into these different spaces where you can give people access to different levels of content or community, which I absolutely love. Because, you know, in my businesses, I've got new people coming in, I've got paying members coming in, I've got all these different products or courses or programs, and, and they've always had these different logins, they've been all over the place. Now with Circle, it's in one place. My community can meet there. They can post, I can post, we can use like multimedia posts as well. They can post video or audio, so can I. I can organize things, all of my content in very unique places and grant access to only some people. And of course, I can have my team in there moderating the whole community with me. Everybody needs this. Everyone's trying to build their community, but they struggle. Like what system or what tools do you need to use or have? Trust me, building it out on your own 
not an option. Too expensive, too time consuming. So go to circle.so and check it out. If you're trying to build a community and really maintain control of that community and do a great job serving them and building a business from it, go to circle.so.